G'day folks, just to give you a bit of context on today's episode, I originally recorded this episode about four months ago in the heart of a cold Melbourne winter. It has unfortunately taken me that long to get this thing going, but circumstances have definitely gotten better with the whole COVID situation since then. So anyway, enjoy the look back in time and the chat. Hey, how's it going? Welcome and thanks for taking some time out of your day to give me a listen. I'm Darren and this is the show where the guests on my list get to have some fun with their favourite list countdowns and we get to know them and their work a little bit better. We discover and explore the personalities behind your favourite podcast hosts and their shows. So this is how the show works. Each week, I invite the host or hosts of a podcast to be my guest on the show and to count down their top 10 lists in a topic of their choosing. Along the way, we take breaks and ask questions to discover the story behind the guest's work and get a little bit more up close and personal with the creators. Delve a little deeper into their world and hopefully we have some fun with their lists as well. Remember, if you'd like to get in touch with the show, uh, you can contact me at my Gmail, Twitter and Instagram, all at my guest list pod. Please rate and review where you can, but maybe give me a few shows to get the hang of this thing before you do. So today's intro is going to be a little bit longer than usual, purely because it's the first show and I just wanted to give you a little bit of a backstory before we get into it. So these first two episodes were recorded on an old laptop with a pretty dodgy sound card, and it didn't help that I saved the files in the wrong format. I did consider not actually putting these episodes out and starting with something else that I'd recorded later, but... I thought it'd be disrespectful to the two guests I had on who gave up their time and were fantastic. They were witty and articulate and they made the shows. So if you can put up with the quality issues, then I think you're going to be entertained. First Cup Off The Rank is a hockey podcast from Vancouver with a very likable and knowledgeable host. We have a chat about music, his show and life in lockdown in Vancouver. So hockey fan or not, sit back and relax and get ready to listen. Live on tape usually from the palatial estate, to the host of Pucks on Net. That sucks. Um, like, and, you know, missing out on your grads and your, uh, you know, and your proms and, uh, and, and your whatnots and your, <laughs> your drinking out in the field around a bunch of tires. Like, these kids are all missing. We didn't all grow up in Surrey, Dave. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Some of us grew up south of the Fraser and can uh, identify and respect drinking in fields around a bunch of old tires. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we get a lot of shots. Everybody come to the net. We, we just have to get more and more pucks to the net. Just got to get pucks on net. Pucks on net. Pucks on net. I'm getting pucks on net. What were you saying about putting pucks on net? We keep putting pucks on net. We used to talk about in Vancouver getting pucks on net. Put as many pucks on net as we can. I'm getting pucks on net. Pucks on net and, and uh, driving and making a hard night on it. Live on tape. Uh, this is. A myriad of and that was the cold open and intro music to one of my all-time favorite podcasts. Pucks on Net is a show based in Vancouver, and while it deals with a very specific part of the sporting world, its appeal transcends that of just the hockey fan. The podcast is in its seventh year and has developed a loyal and active fan base, of which I consider myself a part of. I've actually been listening to them from their very first year, not the first episode, but not far off. I've listened to the 
team as they've loved and lost, been in and out of work, and of late, one team member has started a family. If you come to the podcast looking for fantasy or fancy stats, then you're going to be disappointed. But if you want to be entertained and also get the lowdown on hockey, then this is the place. The way I put it in my Apple review was a little like this. Come for the hockey talk, stay for the Tinder stories. It's a sort of podcast where you come back each week nearly as much to see what's going on in the lives of the hosts as you do to listen to their take on the hockey world. So today, while I've communicated with him over Twitter and email, I'm very excited to finally be able to chat with the host of the show. He's a seasoned broadcaster, a high school talent show standout, erotic candle aficionado, and the glue behind a very funny and informative Vancouver hockey podcast. Ryan Chap, how are you, sir? Uh, I am humbled at hearing a such an eloquent and beautiful uh, uh, description of our podcast and my uh, various titles that I hold all true. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm fla- I'm very flattered to be here, and that was uh, that was. I'm I'm very touched. Um, I'm happy to sit down and talk with you today, uh, mate. Thank you very much for for agreeing to do it. It's uh, you know this is something that's in its infancy for me. So um, someone like you, with the, all the experience you, that you've got, uh, to come on and uh, give me a hand and and uh, help out. And I must say, it's a bit, a bit of a selfish sort of podcast for myself too, because I finally get to talk to one of the hosts of uh, a podcast that I, I you know obviously I've I've listened to for a very long time and, and I enjoy each week and look forward to each week so hey that's all it took I mean I you couldn't you know I, I was looking for a selfish reason myself I and mean, I'm not going to talk to you unless there's a, a podcast to be recorded or <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just not going to have a FaceTime with you no way no yeah. how uh, I don't blame you <laughs> <laughs> uh, mate how are you coping with quarantine and everything in the lockdown there um, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I've been I've been working from home. Uh, air quotes around work since uh, middle of March. Uh, March seventeenth, St. Patrick's Day was the first day of working from home, and it's been it's been fine. I live in uh, as as you said off the top. We're based in Canada, and we're, I'm in British Columbia, and they're in in Vancouver here. And we have uh, uh, we took a very smart and serious approach to the illness, which seemed. Maybe like a little overkill in the first couple of weeks from our, uh, we have a physician in our, in our province named Dr. Bonnie Henry, who went from being the woman that gives the, the doctor who gives the updates every week to a cult hero. Like she is so revered and loved and people seem to just love the, just the, the quality of work she's done to curve the, the illness in our province. So we're doing pretty well here. You know, bars and pubs of, and restaurants are opened up to, to you know social distancing and limited capacity and you're writing down your name when you come and go so that they can track the illness not everything's back to normal but things are pretty positive here and plus it's summertime here in vancouver which is you know you live you deal with nine months of rain and cold and darkness to get two and a half three months of just beautiful summer weather yeah so it's like we're doing well no complaints here Oh, that, that's good. That's good. And and the other members of the team, uh, I know one of them's obviously in a little bit of a colder place, more in the interior in Ottawa for you guys, I guess. I, I don't know if you call that the interior, but uh, it's further across inside uh, your uh, your country. Uh, how is everybody else doing? Uh, yeah, everybody. Um, uh, Dave, uh, who lives in Ottawa in the, the nation's capital, he's he's you're doing, a, I mean, he's a new father, so you're doing about as well as you can. 
you know, you're already, you know, hyper alert of, you know, ways to keep your child safe. I can imagine you can relate to that, but then to add in this uh, horrible, uh, you know, pandemic and illness and virus, you're going to be a little more hyper concerned, but he's doing well. Uh, so is Gita. She's here locally and, and our man PMAC, he's still, he's hunkered down. He's, uh, he's taken it very safe in his haunted house, uh, <laughs> north of the city. And we're all, we're all, you're made, you gotta be, you gotta take it as as good as you possibly, uh, you gotta, you know, remain as positive as possible. And you just gotta, you gotta do what they tell you. Um, we are not like uh, our neighbors down south who think that wearing masks or washing hands or not being able to go to Disney World uh, take away our rights and freedoms. Uh, <laughs> that is not the case here, and we consider ourselves quite lucky. Yeah, look, we're we're very similar to you guys, I guess, in that sense. Um, we here in Victoria, where I am, uh, have just started to unfortunately go the opposite way. We, we had a lot of weeks of zero infections and then all of a sudden it, uh, it spiked. I guess, you know, they, they're talking about a second wave, but I think this was just a more a matter of uh, some parts of our community, you know, getting a little bit lax in terms of what they, they should be doing. And uh, it's resulted in a little bit of a, uh, um, a surge in, in new cases. But... Yeah, we'll get a handle on it. We're back to stage three restrictions here in, in Victoria and in Melbourne and um, uh, the rest of the country doesn't want anything to do with us. They consider us unclean. Um, <laughs> they've closed all their borders to us, so we, uh, we can't actually uh, travel interstate. And um, if you do travel to Melbourne and you go back home, you've actually got to uh, self-isolate for, for, uh, for 14 days. Um, and, and now they've actually started um, charging travellers who go abroad and then come back who have to isolate. Uh, now you have to actually pay for your hotel stay. Um, really? Yeah. That's, I haven't heard of that before. Yeah, yeah. So it costs you three. So if you go uh, overseas and then come back and you have to isolate, obviously, in a hotel, it costs you $3,000. Jesus, well, yeah. no, no need to go anywhere for the next little bit anyway. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's pretty much, uh, you know, that's going to be off the table for a fair while, unfortunately. And, you know, this was a year that I had planned to uh, uh, take the, the family on a, a trip. Uh, <laughs> but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So, Yeah, uh, I think a lot of people had a lot of, uh, I mean... Yeah, I know. Definitely, I was you know saving up for uh, for some uh, some travel and whatnot. And then you know a couple months into this, I'm like, that's not. I'm not leaving this province for a long time. So uh, yeah, you can spend your money elsewhere for the next little bit. Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. So you get to play more hockey. That's right. Well, I mean, um, I'll watch a lot of hockey because the season's starting up. But I mean, in terms of playing it, like none of our uh, local rinks are open and. And that's something I just started doing uh, at the beginning of the year and was really enjoying. So uh, mm. I'll be, you know, I, I, I think it'll be a long time before I get to play some drop-in beer league again, which is, it's, it sucks, but that's just, that's what needs to happen. Yeah, exactly right. And I guess you guys uh, are playing uh, softball at least at the moment, yeah? That's right. We had our, uh, we are our second weekend. Um, we had a good game yesterday playing in a, I mean, as I was saying, Vancouver is a beautiful city uh, year-round, but in the summer, it's just tremendous, and we were playing down by the beach, and uh, had a nice win, and uh, softball, there isn't too much, softball or baseball, there's not a lot of uh, interacting, so it's a, a solid, uh, 
COVID-friendly uh, uh, pastime. Uh, yeah, it's again things slowly getting back to normal, but a different normal. Yeah, it all, look, it's it's good that someone is at least. So uh, you guys have all done the the right thing, and like you were talking about, uh, Doctor Bonnie Henry, we we've heard about it here in uh, Australia as well, and we we yearn for around Doctor Bonnie. <laughs> oh <laughs> we, yeah, man, she's the best. She's the fucking awesome. Fantastic, very cool. All right, so we might as well get to the uh, list for today um, what we're going to count down and I'm very interested to see what you pick because I, I know you're a bit of a, a music fan and uh, I see raconteur t- t-shirts and you know, we always hear about uh, white stripes and everything on the podcast um, so interesting to see what we uh, we get from you today um, the topic is best albums of 1991 so uh I think we'll start with number 10. And well, hang on. Okay. Before you continue, because yeah, how many, is this, is this the first podcast? How many podcasts have you done of this, of this new endeavor of yours? This is it. This is the first one. So, well, you, well, you're doing great because Darren sent me a list and he says, here's a giant, here's a giant two page document of things that we could do top tens of. And I just, I mean, there's a lot of good ones. Um, Worst TV show endings. That's that's not one I thought of. You know, least likable people on TV or in movies. <laughs> but then I'm like top albums, and I'm like I always like to bug people about how good of a year 1990 was, uh, 1991 was for music, more specifically rock. Yeah. Uh, but like a great album, a great year for albums, and I just I, I'm like we're doing. I'll do that one. And I had a piece of trivia for you because you mentioned that I'm a very big Jack White fan and the Raconteurs. They are not called the raconteurs in Australia. Did you know that? No, I didn't. What there are they called? Already, they are all, there was already a band called the Raconteurs from Australia. Oh. So when they tour there or when they release albums or anything, they are called the saboteurs in Australia only. The saboteurs. I actually haven't heard of them, but it makes sense, I guess. So, yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I haven't actually heard of the Australian band to raconteurs either. So that's... I don't think anybody has. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Oh, that that's cool, then. So, how old were you in 1991? If you might don't mind me asking. Uh, I was a. Let's see. I have a late birthday. I have a December birthday, so I would have been uh, three. <laughs> three. <laughs> okay. All right. So we come at this from probably a couple of different uh, um, angles. So you were three. I was 23. So. <laughs> 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 yeah, you're uh, you're looking at yours through nostalgic glasses, and yes. I'm looking uh, at, at my list through uh, uh, just a different one. Yeah, not a lot of life experiences uh, with these with this music as it came out. Yeah, so look, I, I tried to actually do my list in terms of what I listened to that year, uh, and mm-hmm. not retrospectively go back and with hindsight say, you know, uh, look, this this deserved to be, you know, like I didn't put in. You'll see that I, I I didn't put in REM out of time, which is obviously a really good album. Um, but you weren't listening to REM out of time. You were out of time. I on was REM. I was out, of, out time. of time. Exactly right. I didn't. You know, shiny happy people. I liked because it had the had Kate from B fifty twos in it. But outside of I, that, <laughs> that was it. Yeah. So. so I like it. We're gonna. I mean, I'm definitely looking at this album. I'm looking at it with a touch of like my favorite records but also in terms of like generally what 
what the best ones were. Yeah. And I think I think we're going to be on the same page for a lot of things. And then uh, there could be a few things that maybe we uh, a couple surprises, yeah. so to speak. All right. Fantastic. All right. Well, look, number 10, we'll, we'll start with you. You're the guest. Uh, we'll start with your number 10. What's your uh, number 10? Uh, for my tenth, for the tenth best album, nineteen ninety one, uh, Soundgarden's "Bad Motorfinger," which um, I don't think was it. Their, oh, it was a third album. Uh, this one's a bit of a doozy. It's got probably their best, their biggest song on it, "Rusty Cage." Rusty Cage got yeah. outshined. Jesus Christ pose. Like this is a really good record. Um, it kind of kind of falls of what falls off a cliff on uh, side B, but. Uh, it's uh, a really a really good handful of songs on this, and I remember I remember we were going camping in what is actually the interior, which in Brit- in our provincial interior, uh, I was going camping with some friends of mine, and we didn't have any. It was before iPhones, uh, and we didn't have any had a CD player in the car. We didn't have any CDs, so we stopped at a stopped in a town on the way, and we just each bought a CD. And my buddy bought Soundgarden, Bad Motive Finger. And I bought uh, Best of Backman Turner Overdrive <laughs> because oh, <no. laughs> I'm like I'm like one of these is gonna be a good album and one of them is gonna be really fun because we got to listen to these a lot. It was about a seven hour drive, uh, five okay. hour. Drive. So yeah. I've listened to a lot of Bad Motor Finger and a lot of Best of Backman Turner Overdrive, <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, this is a very good record. Uh, yeah, look, I, I must agree. I'd have to agree. Ninety one was I. I sort of came out of it. Uh, or came into it with a very bland sort of, uh, I guess, you know, mainstream idea of music in terms of pop music that I listened to on the radio. Um, what I was probably more into was Italo disco and Euro disco from the nightclubs that I was going out to and stuff like that. But when I heard uh, Chris Cornell's voice, it was like getting religion. It was like, oh, my God, you know, that is ridiculous, and um, yeah. uh, I must admit, it's it's yeah, it's one of my favorite albums of that year, and and it's one of the albums that I bought. So, yeah, definitely, I've got to agree with you. Fantastic album. Now, uh, I know I know we're gonna have a handful of uh, well, we'll just keep going through my list, and then we'll pick up with yours. Yeah, cool. We'll, uh, yeah, for sure. sure. Well, it's funny because my ninth album of the year also features Chris Cornell singing it. <laughs> and it's the only band, uh, it's the only album by this band, which is like a grunge Seattle era yeah. super group, yeah. which is Temple of the Dog. Uh, okay. uh, and they had, they had Hunger Strike on there and they had Say Hello, Say Hello to Heaven. And uh, I think they had three singles. They had Pushing Forward back on there too. But I just, this is an album that, it's kind of it's a stupid name and it's a stupid it's kind of a cheesy album cover like it's meant to look and feel kind of like a a joke but it's a heavy record hunger strike is a kick-ass song and it's a that's a really good album and it's recorded three hours south of me in seattle oh fantastic yeah you guys love seattle too don't you You go down there a fair bit I man, uh, it was a yeah. I'm a big fan of the baseball team down there, and just going. It's a very fun town. It's like a cooler Vancouver. Yeah, and yeah, it was. It's sad. I mean, you don't want to go because of just what's happening down there. But I, and it makes you miss when it was a little more stable, and you could go down to the states, and it wasn't so chaotic. I understand. Uh, my eighth, my uh, eighth uh, number eight on my list is a band I don't really like that much. <laughs> I'm not a very big fan of uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. 
Uh, but if you're looking at the best albums and like kind of you know your or, or your you know favorite albums, it's hard not to give this give it some love. Uh, this is uh, uh, ha- uh, has arguably one of the most played songs in in FM radio history and under the bridge. Yeah. Um, it's got a couple bangers on there. Suck my kiss and give it away. Give it like, away. This is like yeah. this is the last record where they were still that LA you know speed punk and funk band like yeah. they still are a bit of a bit of a bit of troublemakers and still were dangerous and then like so like you know they were you know they had to censor themselves still for radio and this is before oh john fushanti left the band and then dave navarro came in and it yeah. just became worst but this is a great record um it's overplayed i think one of the things you'll notice in our list is that it has a lot of overplayed albums because this this year was so good, had so many big, memorable records that you almost kind of got sick of them because they were played so much on radio or on, I don't know, like we, there's MTV in the States. We had much music in Canada. And I don't know how you, uh, how did you guys watch music videos in Australia? No, we had, we had MTV as well. Um, oh, we had, we had, didn't. sorry. We didn't have MTV, and I, it was, uh, it was like a fascinating world because we had much music, which was, Canadian and kind of low budget, but it was still like everybody in everybody in school would watch much music, and it was a huge okay. cultural happening. Yeah, but like MTV was MTV. No, I, I I'm pretty sure we had MTV. We had like shows that would come on in the morning before we'd go to school and things like that uh, when I was younger, and they they carried on for a little while. But I was I'm pretty sure that in '91 we had MTV, and that would be a Saturday night, so we'd watch 21 Jump Street and uh, Booker or whatever it was, and then at 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock, um, MTV would come on, and that'd be a Saturday night. If you didn't go out somewhere, you know, you had uh, we had a, a TV show here that uh, it's very Australian um, that hey, called Hey Hey at Saturday. It was iconic and it was around forever, and uh, it would lead into, like I said, 21 Jump Street and Booker or whatever else was on at the time, and then you go into MTV and I, I'm pretty sure MTV was around then. That's what we watched, but that was pretty much all we had too was the MTV on a Friday, Saturday night. Oh yeah. I let, Hey, Hey, it's Saturday. That is a very Australian sounding show. I got to tell you. <laughs> oh, look, it was, it's, it's one of the, the most popular and iconic shows that we had on Australian TV. It was, uh, it was very funny. And we had, they had all the international guests, all the international guests like that came out, Ended up mm-hmm. on Hey Hey It's Saturday, Saturday and um, you know uh, Sylvester Stallone, Harry Connick Jr. They had a a a talent show that was uh, you know the expression taking the piss like yep, make, making the yeah, yeah yeah so uh, so they would um, uh, the, the acts that came on were not good <laughs> and <laughs> and, and uh, although they were funny the people that came on that thought they were good that weren't good were even funnier. And, oh, um, of course. <laughs> Impact TV almost. Yeah. So, uh, unfo- <laughs> unfortunately, we, we had one incident with um, Harry, when Harry Connick Jr. was on the, the panel and there were a bunch of guys that came on in blackface. And, oh, yeah. It was a different time, people. No, well, it was a different time, but Harry Connick was like, no, you can't do that. You know, oh, like okay. even back then, it was like, no. Nah, yeah, you can't do that, guys. Sort of thing. I'm, I'm not going to judge that. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a thing. 
So, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a different time back then. And uh, but oh well, it you know I, I actually thought it was pretty um, uh, you know showed a bit of character from Harry Connick Jr. to make the stance that he did. Uh, and he oh, didn't make didn't make a big thing of it, but just said, you know, like, nah, that's not really right, guys. And um, there was no malice intended. But then again, you can't really say that. So, uh, but it was, yeah, it was. Look, it was a great show. And um, yeah, more to the point, it was the intro. Like, if you weren't going out that night, it was the the, the start of the night to which would end with MTV. I lo- I'm I'm uh, I'm having a resurgence in watching uh, music videos because I changed my uh, cable package and now I have a. I just have a couple of mu- uh, music channels that just play just music videos all day long, and I just leave them on in the house, and you know, a bunch of stuff that yep. I grew up on will come on, and and I'm just like, kids today just won't understand what it's like to have to wait around watching TV for your music video that you <laughs> wanted to see. Come on, and yeah. would hope that you taped it because if not, you got to wait another three hours just yeah, to watch exactly. it. Exactly. Yep. Yep. I understand completely. So yeah, back in the old VHS days, and yeah, just waiting with your hand on the record button. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, because if you if you weren't waiting there with your hand on the record button then you would've been out of time exactly. which is my <laughs> which is my uh, seventh album uh my uh, number 7 on my list of the top 10 albums of 91 REM I'm not the biggest REM fan um this is just a classic record um uh shiny happy uh shiny happy people's on it um losing my religions on there it's uh, I'm a. I think. I think it was the next record. A film is on. What had? What's the frequency? Ken thought. It? I can't remember. But uh, it's not their best. Re- it's it's probably their most popular record. I wouldn't say it's their best record. But uh, my parents. Uh, I don't know if you had this in Australia. Did you have a Columbia Music House? Not that I know of. No. Okay, there was a scam in North America in the '90s, '80s, and '90s when everybody. When everybody was replacing their cassettes and their and their records with CDs, there was a company called Columbia Music House, and I think it was the Columbia record label. And they would basically send you ten CDs for a penny or something, and then you had to keep buying CDs every month, so you uh, you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. No. 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 This rings a bell because this is how I got half of these CDs that I from my list. <laughs> yeah. And everybody. Um. A lot of people got like would get get sucked into these contracts of having to buy all these CDs at inflated rates yeah. because you'd get 10 or 20 or whatever for a nickel or a penny. And I know my parents had it for a few years and uh, they had a handful of records on this on this list they had through uh, in Canada. It was called Columbia Music House. Okay. Yeah, we, we had um, on the back of a, I think it was the TV week, there was an advert yeah. for this. So I signed up and this is how I got... Uh, like I said, most of my CDs that year. And like you said, they just kept coming and kept coming. And I tried to actually cancel, but it was it was really hard to get them to listen and actually do anything. So in the end, we actually we moved house at the end of that year. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I ended up with a couple of CDs that I may not have paid for. So... <laughs> I think uh, I think you're not alone, but yeah, everybody fell for that scam uh, in okay. uh, in the in that era. Just because, yeah, it, CDs and that's and they became and this is everybody was replacing everyone was replacing their stuff, and then about a few years later, like by the late '90s, early 2000s, is when CDs really 
started costing so much more money. Like I remember an album would cost $20 Canadian. Mm. And then, then there was just kind of the whole, that really sparked and fueled everybody illegally downloading. But yeah, Columbia house was the, was the start of the overpriced record. And, uh, so we have a top 10 list here, and unfortunately, 10 does not land. Uh, number 10 it falls number 6, which is Pearl Jam's first record. Uh, this, is a, this is a big year for Seattle uh, on, our, on my list. But before we get into that one, so that, that's, that's, that's a big album, so we'll get back to that one. I just want to ask you some questions first. Get back to know you a little bit more so, and, and the show that you, that you produce, and we'll get sure. back into the list after that. So cool. So... I just want to know, or I know, but I'd like everyone else to know, how did the podcast that you do get started and, and uh, how did the four of you guys that are on the show, how did you get to, together? Uh, it was uh, an idea of our disgruntled former employee, Sheila, a uh, good <laughs> mine. Uh, she said uh, me and uh, a couple of friends of mine were pretty funny um, when it came to talking about hockey and not, not too stupid, pretty uh, pretty informed but also pretty jovial about it and then i actually had a uh, like a facebook group where like it was just like a discussion group about hockey and it kind of started in there and all four of us and including sheila we all went to uh bcit which is the british columbia institute of technology which is a like a trade school in uh in in bc here and it has a a, a very well-known uh, kind of journalism and broadcasting program and we all took that and so i knew all i knew uh four or five very uh engaging and entertaining and, and intelligent uh broadcasters and i said i'd like we should do this i remember i texted dave uh one day and i'm like i, th- I had an idea we should do a hockey podcast and he's like yes i'm like it should also feature these people and he's like yes i'm like we'll do it this Saturday about the Canucks, he's like, yes, like he was down, uh, you know, the se- the second the idea popped in and we recorded, I rented some equipment from uh, a music store here and, uh, we re- learned really quickly that you shouldn't, uh, get drunk and podcast because <laughs> it doesn't translate well. So we recorded three episodes in a night, yep. two made it to air. Those are the first two episodes. The third one was just a mess. Yep. And you, we, uh, I just remember sending it to a few people, uh, a couple of people I trusted, uh, in, you know, in, in broadcasting with a, you know, with a, with a mind that I, I, I trust and respect. And they said, this was, you guys did a really good job and this was very well done. And we just, we just kept doing it and yeah, we've done it for seven years. It's almost, yeah, it's almost been seven years now since September, 2013. And I've taken an approach of, uh, of, uh, balance and, making sure that you know you only podcast when you want to and you know you don't want to force it on anybody so we've always taken summers off and most of december off and even this year with uh with covid and the nhl season kind of putting being put to a halt we you know we kept doing the show for two months but by june we kind of ran out of things to talk about and nobody knew it was going to happen so i said let's just take summer vacation until it comes back and then we'll come back so it's been a lot of fun, and it's been it's it's helped me a, a lot in my uh, professional uh, career, and and just it's been a very uh, very positive endeavor that I can't say enough good things about. So, not forcing the guys to podcast does that include PMAC? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paul loves to podcast, uh, but. Uh, 
you know what? You know, he's sometimes he, once he's there, it's great, and he's got a lot to say. But yeah. you know, maybe getting him there some weeks is uh, is a little uh, is a little challenging. But no, he's uh, like him and I. Him and I do our Patreon shows together, and yeah. Yeah. he's just a tremendous a tremendous uh, wealth of hockey knowledge, and he's pretty damn entertaining. And sometimes I think that he doesn't know that he's that good at podcasting, and maybe that's a good thing. But I, I love uh, I love podcasting with him, and as well as Gita and, and Dave very much. Speaking of hockey knowledge and Gita, did you ever get any sort of um, kickback or anyone say to you, "Look, well, why are you got a girl on a sports hockey podcast sort of thing?" Or like she's got a great ho- hockey you know uh, knowledge base. And she's, she can be really funny. But did you ever get anyone sort of, you know, why you got a girl on or anything like that? Or any, uh, face any sort of, uh, you know, feedback? Um, surprisingly, a little bit. Um, I would used to post the show on Reddit and some other, and some other forums. And it was just kind of like, she, you know, a lot of dudes would just be like, oh, she has an annoying voice. I'm like, everybody has an annoying voice. Like, exactly. you're not, you're listening you're not listening to enjoy it. You're listening to critique it. So you're going to find everything annoying. And I, uh, and that's the one thing, like I wanted to have a female voice on our show because if there's one thing that the world doesn't need, it's a bunch of white dudes sitting around talking about sports and being loudmouths, like yeah. bring in another perspective and bring in a female perspective. And, and if somebody doesn't like that, well, then there's other problems that they need to worry about than yeah. than what they like or don't like about a hockey podcast. But yeah, it's uh, it hasn't been too bad, uh, thankfully. Um, the I guess the, the the hockey fan community hasn't been as as shitty as maybe a, another community would be. Yeah, look, I, I I think you're completely correct there in terms of she gives uh, you guys a perspective that. Um, Nearly, I don't know of any other hockey podcast that has a girl on it, and um, she gives you know a really different sort of uh, view that uh, you don't get from anywhere else. And like you said, usually it's a bit of a boys' club, especially with some of the hockey podcasts. So um, yeah, and I, I, do you think that's part of what appeals to you know you've got so many loyal fans and all over the world? Do you think that's part of what appeals to it to them? I. I think so. We like we have a, a lot of female listeners, and um, I, I I would definitely say so. And it's outside of you know, um, you know, it's us just being ourselves. But you know, people kind of want to hear. They want to have an. There's there's almost like a stigma attached to sports podcasting or broadcasting or sports radio, and it's just dudes yelling and you know it's a dick measuring contest about who knows more or who's right and who's wrong. And, and I've never taken that approach to, to sports. And I'm like, and that's kind of the, the vibe of our show. And, and I want to have like, you know, there's, there's more than one type of person in the world. That's going to like, like a sport or, or like whatever you're talking about. And the more, you know, the the more voices you can add to the conversation, the more well-rounded it's going to be. And I mean, you know, whether, whether you, uh, whether you have uh, whether you use sports as a as a, an escape in life, and a lot of people do, you know it. It's you can say that, but you know a lot of our social issues are being uh, a lot of athletes are sounding off on that, and they are expressing themselves on that, and they are protesting, and and they are that, and they are you know they're speaking up and they're speaking out, and 
you want to you don't want to have just the normal group of of white dudes talk about sports and because they're not going to have those experiences they're not going to have that voice to chime in on it so i've always been very excited to have you know a different perspective on the show here here i i, I yeah I, I agree with you wholeheartedly and obviously that's part of the reason why you know i, I tune in every week and can't wait to listen to your podcast and like i said you guys the dynamic between you guys is fantastic it's obviously that it's obvious that you guys are, are good friends but mm. you bounce off of each other really really well and you, you know you're very poised and all except Guido have worked in the media too haven't they for hockey or for some other way so i know dave's cool. with doing the movie film stuff the movie stuff at the moment but you guys have all worked in hockey media before haven't you yeah, and, and and she has too. Uh, oh, when she we has. Were going, okay. Yeah, we uh, when we were going to school, she did a a, a practicum at TSN, which is uh, which is one of the two sports broadcasters in the country. Um, and she worked with them for a month or so, and and you know, so she's you know she knows she knows you know how to she knows how to deal in uh in a in the in the world of sports broadcasting, and she has that experience, and we all do, and. Uh, Paul definitely has the most current and active and substantial experience. Like he is in the dressing rooms and he's covering uh, games and uh, and just doing a great job. But yeah, we all have uh, we've all all been exposed to the world of sports broadcasting. Yeah, it shows, and uh, yeah, that's yeah. great. Very cool. All right, look back to the back to the countdown. I know you want to get to this one because yeah, look, this is probably my favorite album. Giving away a little bit, but. Uh, that's probably my favorite album of the year. So number six, Ryan's Countdown. Number six is 10. And now, well, I, I will brush on this quickly because uh, I'm going to brush on actually all of these albums a little quickly because I want to talk about them a bit more with you. Yep, um, for sure. So I'll just kind of touch on them quick. Uh, Pearl Jam's debut album, uh, 10, uh, which is a tremendous record. Uh, there's a lot on here. Like this album, this is an album that you don't skip. Uh, there's there's not a bad track on here, really. Uh, I mean, even flows on here live. Black, what a track. Uh, yep. Jeremy, uh, it just goes. And uh, you know, there aren't a lot of singles. You know, aren't a lot of singles on the B side, but it's just it's a tremendous record. I'm not the biggest Pearl Jam fan, but it's just mwah, French Kiss. Um, Considering that, how come you got it at six? Because I like these al- I like these five albums a lot more. Okay, well that makes sense. <laughs> Funny, funnily enough, that does make sense. So I guess that's the way it works. So, all right, fair uh, enough. Fair you know, enough. If if we were talking about best front to back records on here and like you know most like quality of songwriting, it'd probably be number probably three or four, maybe okay. two. Um, actually, it might be that. We'll talk about that. Right, we'll uh, talk about my that. <laughs> five record is not Use Your Illusion 2, but Use Your Illusion 1. Uh, Guns N' Roses, it was their big uh, follow-up to uh, the one of the best albums ever, Appetite for Destruction. Um, there's a lot of, there's two, there's some crap on both of these records. Basically, their big idea was Appetite was so big, we're going to have to release two albums at the same time, on the same night, and make people buy them. So... <laughs> Like they entered the charts at one and two. Like it was just, yeah. it's such, looking back, it's such a cash grab. Like, just, it was a good move. 
hey, they're making money. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, but you have it on you have it on your list too. Uh, so we'll we'll touch we'll come back to it. Um, this is an album you don't have on your list. My number four, and this is very selfish uh, choosing on my part, is the Canadian uh, icons, the uh, the best band, the best Canadian band of all time, and the most popular within Canada. They would play arenas and stadiums in Canada one week, and bars and clubs in America the next. It's a tragically hip, um, probably the best band you never heard of. Uh, they are staples in Canada. Um, when uh, do you know about the tragically hip, Darren? Well, I was going to say I've heard of the tragically hip, but I'm tragically lame because I've actually never listened to one of their songs. That's, but I know uh, who they are. <laughs> That's polite. I like your pun. Uh, they're a huge deal in Canada. Um, I imagine you have something similar in Australia, but here we have can, uh, Canadian content laws, yes. and that's to make sure that Canadian artists are featured just as predominantly as American ones. Yeah, we have the same so thing. So that might yeah. help. Yeah, so like I think it's twenty one in five songs on the radio needs to be Canadian in Canada, okay. and I'm, I'm all for it, and that's probably a reason why this band got a little more play, but they are a tremendous band. Uh, the lead singer of the band Gord Downey, he passed away. He got brain cancer, and they performed one final tour, um, and it was arguably like one of the most emotional, like important, significant moments in Canadian, uh, okay. you know, art history. And the final show they played, which was in their hometown of Kingston, was broadcast on our CBC, which is our uh, um, our public uh, broadcaster. Like, uh, you know, it's okay. yep. Okay. Uh, um, What's it called? Like the BB? It's our BBC. Like, yeah, like our ABC here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our our Canadian Broadcasting Corporation put on the concert for free, live, no commercials, uncensored, uh, and it and even the prime min, our prime minister Justin Trudeau was at the concert in a jean jacket and a tragically hip T shirt and the most Canadian thing ever. <laughs> and so this band <laughs> this band is a huge deal in our country. And they put out their second album, which is called Road Apples, which is uh, a slang term for uh, horse poo. Uh, but yep. the album is anything but. Um, this, is a tr- this is their second record. It's tremendous. Uh, for all you Australians out there, this is, your st- this is a standard uh, bar band. It's not as heavy as your ACDCs or your road tattoo- uh, Rose Tattoos, but it's a, uh, just a good rock and roll band with very, uh, very good uh, poetic lyrics. Um, Little Bones, Twist My Arm, Three Pistols, three absolute beautiful tracks, um, and that's just a beautiful band. So that's uh, that's my uh, number four. Um, so, so my so, number th- before we get to number three. So this is part of the the good thing about doing this with someone like yourself who does know music so well. I'm going to be exposed, you know, like obviously after I do the podcast with you at some stage, and probably today, I'm going to go get a tragically hip song or album and not buy it but you know go to youtube and and i'm going to listen to it and see what it's like so you know i love being exposed to to new music even if it's old music and stuff that i've missed and um, they're going to be one that i go back on and 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 listen to and i'll I'll let you know what i think (laughs) oh i love it yeah they are a, a canadian staple every the first whistle at every toronto maple leafs home game in the first period uh is always a hip song at least on a saturday night um if you are going to go listen their best album came out in 92 it's called fully completely yeah and it's uh okay. it's just tremendous are these guys bigger than rush 
No, Rush is big in the states. Like Rush will Rush was a huge band in America. Okay. Uh, they just weren't. They weren't. Uh, they didn't have the commercial. Well, they didn't. They weren't a popular band. They weren't commercially popular. Okay. Uh, Rush was. Um, but within Canada, the tragedy hip is just like it's just you know it's part. It's ingrained in the culture. Whether well, whether people want to admit that or not, and not everybody in town is a, in the country is a hip fan, but. They're okay. just very, very integral. Cool. All right. That's <laughs> something that I've learned. And uh, like I said, it's something for me to, it's some homework. I'll go listen Adam. to. <laughs> All right. Uh, your next one. My number three record is uh, my favorite album by U2. And it's a really good record in general. Octung Baby. Uh, a lot of band, uh, lot, just like uh, Guns N' Roses, U2 had to follow their big huge album like you two had the joshua tree back in 87 which is just uh, uh you know whether you hate him or you like him or you think it's overplayed just like a ridiculously deep and beautiful record uh joshua tree so they had to come out with something and it's you know what they were uh, this is back before they were completely full of them, pompous and full of themselves and I mean, this is definitely the start of it. You two, or Bono had a handful of characters he played on this, and which which led to a bunch of crap. It led to the most overzealous and expensive uh, concert tour ever, the Zoo TV oh, tour. That was huge. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, it took days to set up. They had cars hanging from the rafters and yeah. giant screens, and Bono would phone the president on a big screen every night. Uh, but this album kicks so much ass, even better than the real thing. Kicks ass, um, uh, mysterious ways, a little overplayed, but whatever. One, which is, I heard a famous story about Axl Rose saying that he, uh, I don't know if it's true, but I've heard it enough times for me to think it is. But he heard he would listen to one by U2 over and over and over and over again and cry because the perfect song had been written and perfor- and created. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but it's a good story. I'm not a big fan of uh, U2, and it was like what you mentioned with the way that uh, uh, he was starting to become bigger than the band, I think, and with all the things that he was promoting, and and he was getting a little bit obnoxious, but there's no way you you can sort of deny that this was a... You know, I I look back on that year, and I wasn't going to put this... This is in my list, but I wasn't going to put it in because I'm I'm not a U2 fan. But I looked at the yeah. songs and, you know, Zoo Station, even better than The Real Thing, one. Um, what's the other one? Um, Until does, the end of the world. Who's going to ride wild horses? So cruel. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Who's going to ride wild horses? That was another one that was big here. Um, this is, the Fly. Um, this, is a, this is a record to put on if you have a, a special somebody coming over and you're entertaining for the evening. It starts out heavy and then it kind of goes into this ambient, beautiful uh, record. And it's just, there's a lot of very, it's just a very deep album. Um, number two, um, I've been in a, a very big, this is, a, I was thinking about this a lot and I won't touch, well, you know, I'll, we'll, we'll touch back on it a bit more when when you give your list but yep. i was uh i've been in a bit of a metallica deep dive and this album 91 they put out their self-titled album also known as the black album and it's a damn near perfect record uh not a bad song on here even struggle within or uh, my friend misery uh but this is um 
just it sounds incredible. It was uh, part of it was recorded here in Vancouver with legendary producer Bob Rock. Oh, fantastic! And he um, he made the band sound a lot better than they were. If you were a Metallica fan, they did not sound their their live show and their qual their energy did not translate to the records before this. Yeah. Uh, okay. So this if this is the album that you if you buy a new stereo or you're testing out something and you want to hear how clear it is or you want to hear how good your car your car stereo is, you put in the black album because it is just produced perfectly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that's wh- my number two. Go on. Well, I was just gonna say of those you know all the banging hits from that album. What would you? What would be your favorite? Like you know, Enter Sandman's iconic, but nothing else matters. Is I'll, I know a lot of the guys that I talk to who like Metallica. That's their favorite song off that album. Ah, uh, man. If I'm I I'm privy. Like it's overplayed, but there's a reason why it's overplayed. Sandman is just a banger. It is sad, but true is pretty good. Uh, Holier Than Thou is uh, uh, just a, a thrash track, and mm. which is, I mean, we're a thrash band, another little slow, you know, the slow down a little bit. Um, man, I'll go with, I'll go with Sandman or, okay. or Unforgiven. Unforgiven is pretty cool. Unforgiven yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's hard. It's like picking your favorite child. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I... Uh, I'll, t- I'll save that, sir, for when we're talking about it again. Uh, my number one album is... Uh, is uh, Nevermind, uh, which is the debut album, or sorry, the second album by uh, Nirvana. Bleach was, was the first? Uh, uh, Bleach. Uh, this album is uh, is also very overplayed. Uh, I imagine Smells Like Teen Spirit gets uh, 45 plays on FM radio every day, but it's just a tremendous record. Uh, five singles from it. Uh, and this is an album that I would say it doesn't, there's not a song to skip on here. Um, I know it's some kind of tra- it kind of trails off on the end with uh, endless nameless and something in the way, but Teen Spirit in Bloom, Come as You Are, Breed, Lithium, Polly, Territorial Pissings, Drain You, like that's their that's half of their their greatest hits record straight away. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it's just it's just an amazing record, and and you've we've all heard the opening chords to Teen Spirit eight thousand times, but. <laughs> It's what everybody learning to play guitar, sort of uh, exactly. that in Stairway to Heaven. So, or well, smoke right. actually smoke on the water. That's the other one. Well, that's the easiest one right there. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this is an album that once you get past Teen Spirit, because like it's 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 a very overplayed song. Yeah, but when In Boom kicks up and then into Come as You Are, which is argu- which is my I'm gonna say it's the best and my favorite uh, Nirvana song, Come yep. as You Are. Yep, definitely. It's just incredible, and like this is this is. Just uh, it it's so funny. Like you think of albums in later in the '90s and the 2000s, where you'd you'd get there was such a rush to put out out CDs for people to buy them that you would get like a one or two good songs on a record and then a whole lot of fill. Like this is just this is there's a reason why it's you know arguably one of the best albums of all time. Oh uh, yeah, look, it, and like you said, after a certain like the the first say six songs maybe seven songs or probably six songs on that album are you know going to be on their their greatest hits album for sure mm. but then you know with on a plane and stay away something in the way it's like something in the way that's a fantastic song um yeah. there's, there's not a bad song uh nope. like you know some of them poly and things like that and are a little bit different but that was that was you know, people loved about. Well, that was the grunge era as well. There was a, a lot of. It was different from what you were hearing everywhere else. So, 
Um, yeah, yeah, it's a, an iconic album. Do you know what Polly is about? No, I haven't heard it in a long time. Um, uh, I, I, I know. You educate me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Polly is about uh, Kurt Cobain. There was, a, there, was a, there was a girl in Seattle that was kidnapped, and, or sorry, abducted. Oh, okay. By, and he, she, and her abductor like tortured her, and she was tied up and stuff. And and I don't know all the specifics of it, but she was able to uh, either sweet talk or convince or trick the captor into letting her, get, like you know, untying her. And she was able to break free and and survived. And Kurt Cobain saw a news story about this and was just so captivated that he wrote a he wrote that song about her. Oh, okay. Like, that was actually I I was trying to remember, and that was nothing like what I was remembering. So, <laughs> okay, that's that's crazy. And I wonder if my 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 son's a a big sort of like music fan, and uh, his uh, memory is a lot better than mine nowadays. And uh, usually, it's those little tidbits that he likes to actually pass on to me. So, uh, I'm sure if he was here, he probably would have gone, "Yeah, I know." And <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I didn't have a clue. So, no, that's 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 crazy. I I had no idea that it was about that. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's nuts. She managed to uh, escape by jumping from the truck uh, at a gas station, alerting, attracting attention from surrounding people. Uh, Gerard Arthur Friend, no friend of ours, was arrested and convicted of his crimes of uh, rape and torture. And yeah, he uh, it's a it's a sad, sad story. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a tough so- story and a yeah. A uh, difficult song too. You get that feeling from the song. It's not a happy song. No, not a song on that record. I'm happy. <laughs> no, yeah, I must admit. Yeah, it's a lot of angst there. So, uh, look, being such a big year, do you have also? That's your number one. So, and and undoubtedly, you know, uh, there's going to be a lot of people that agree with you there, and you know, I find it hard not to agree with you as well because that was one of the most played albums for me as well personally that year. But being such a big year, any notable mentions that you want to uh, pass on as well that you you just couldn't fit into the top ten, but you would wouldn't mind actually uh, noting. Um, uh, I really, I low key really like um, Ozzy Osbourne's "No More Tears" no more that tears, came out. Yeah, in yeah. Uh, Hellraiser is like one of my favorite songs, and that gets me so pumped up when I would uh, when I would have my uh, EA when I would have my NHL games for PlayStation when you could still uh, do custom music my my Canucks would always skate out to the solo <laughs> Hellraiser okay yeah very cool and uh, um, oh uh, I, I know this is on your list and it's definitely on my uh, honorable mentions Van Halen's uh, for unlawful common knowledge which wink wink is an acronym yes. that spells out the F word yes uh, <laughs> That's a that's a great record. Um, actually, that one I was I was humming and hawing over uh, to replace maybe REM or something. Yeah, because it's got right now on there, and the album starts out with one of my favorite uh, intro songs to a record ever with um, uh, Pound Cake. Oh, Pound Cake! Sensational. Playing the playing his guitar with a drill, which yeah. <laughs> I've I've definitely gone downstairs and gotten Dad's drill to do that and play it by the pickup. Uh, it's um, it's got a lot of good tracks on there, and it was probably Van Halen's last good record. So I'd put those two as my honorable mentions. Uh, look, I, I'd agree with that. with both those. They're fantastic. And Van Hagar or Van Halen, no matter which way you want to look at it, uh, I know there's a lot of haters out there for Sammy Hagar, but 
it was still Van Halen and I thought his voice fantastic and um, I'm a big uh, extreme fan so I like Gary Cerrone but I still think Sammy Hagar was a better front man than you know the little time that Gary Cerrone uh, actually did uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with, uh, with those guys so uh, yeah no this is yeah, a very cool album so uh, fantastic so that's your 10 so and and, and look, it's a, a strong 10, very, very solid. Uh, I don't think the you know, with a, a few notable exceptions or differences, uh, you know, I'm right there with you with most of it, and I only have a couple of differences in, in probably order and only a couple of different albums from you. Um, but before we, get look- to, before we get to my 10, I want to ask you mm-hmm. a couple more questions about your podcast. So, Absolutely. All right, so... Ryan, this is a big question for you. So just as a, a bit of a, a what if, White Stripes are playing their last concert in Vancouver and the Canucks are playing Game 7 at home for the Cup. Which do you go to? Um, I wouldn't be able to afford tickets to Game 7 in the Stanley Cup Final <laughs> in Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, um, that is – f- are we allowed to swear on here? Of course you can. That's a fucking hard question, and that could be the hardest dilemma I may ever face in my life. Well, I mean, I hope. I hope that's the hardest <laughs> dilemma. Man, I would go with... Uh, um, I would go with... Uh, I would. Well, the White Stripes would be on until probably 9.30, 9 o'clock. So I would watch it, and the, I, I could do both. You could do no. both. Fantastic. Good answer. That's what I like, a man that can find a way. So, yeah. <laughs> no. I, remember going to, I remember to go, I went to see uh, the Canucks play uh, game seven of the 2007 Western Conference quarterfinals against Dallas. We bought tickets off a, uh, we bought resale tickets, and then I, we went to go see a band called the Electric Six at okay. an old club called Richards on Richards, also known as Dicks on Dicks, which is no longer open. But yeah. we lost our voice uh, yelling at the Canucks game and the concert that night. Oh, very cool. Worthy night then. Fantastic. Yeah. That, that was, was a very good dilemma question. I will give it to you. And, but if there's a gun to my head, um, I would pick White Stripes in Vancouver. Okay, fair enough. Well, look, it was a bit of a, you a Star Trek fan? Um no. no okay. Well, it doesn't really matter. But uh, there's a. It's a bit of a Kobayashi Maru sort of uh, of question where there there's no actual way of winning or getting the right oh. answer, sort of thing. It's a really hard dilemma. So, um, yeah. You know, the fact that you actually did come up with something at the end, um, you know. But I, I actually, I applaud the fact that you was able. You found a way to do both. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's hope. Yeah, let's hope. Look, the other question I wanted to ask is probably more about you than just a podcast you're not shy to put yourself out there like you're all over social media and you're very involved with the fan base um you know i really really enjoyed your um podcast that you did with your dad about your early days with hockey and things like that oh Um, thank you very much no no look it's it's great and obviously on the, the show and uh, on the the Patreon episodes and things like that, we we get a little bit more of an insight into n- not just you, the other guys as well. But uh, you know, yeah. there's there seems to be you know nothing off limits when it comes to yourself. Were, were you always this open, or? Um, that's a good question. Um, I can rem- I've been a pretty I 
Yeah, I I learned at a young age to be open and honest. Um, I could remember specific times growing up where uh, I was I was uh, I was burned for lying about stuff or um, look back on things when times when I should have said something or 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 did this or that, and I always kind of look back on those and really learn from those experiences, but. I've always been somebody that I'm usually at my most calm and comfortable when I'm being 100% honest with with uh, people and talking about whatever it is I'm going through, whether it's positive or negative. Uh, I learned that skill at a young age. So yeah, I um, there. I, I also I also look back on my life and think about uh, the more embarrassing times, and all you can do is learn from them and grow from them and and own them. So I've always been somebody that's happy to make fun of myself uh, first or take the piss out of myself. Yeah. Uh, and so I've always been like that. And you know what? I'm, there's been times where maybe I, I shouldn't have said, uh, said, said that or, or acted that way. But for the most part, um, I, I, I like being a fairly open book with, uh, with my life and experiences. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's just who I am. No, oh, look, that, that sort of self-deprecating nature too is, I guess, you know, that's part of what we do a lot here in Australia and we see that in someone else, that someone that doesn't, you know, mind making fun of themselves or, or just being open, not always making fun of yourself as such, but just being open and that's something that's really honest and raw and I really appreciate on the podcast and the rest of the guys are probably a little bit more... Um, coveted with their private lives and things like that but uh yeah it's uh each week and and as i I've, I've talked to other people about when listening to your podcast you know you really get to know you guys and uh you don't just come back to listen to the hockey opinions which are fantastic and you know you you, you really well educated in terms of everything hockey but uh and you have you know opinions that don't always uh, you don't always agree with each other, which is fantastic as well. But you also yeah. you want to come back and you want to listen to you know where you guys are at in your lives and things like that. And that's what's been the appeal for me with your podcast. So, uh, um, or one of the things that appeals to me. So, yeah, it's it's been really good. And and the the fact that you are so open is uh, really refreshing compared to a, a lot of other people. So, hey, all all you could be in life is honest and and. And yeah, like you know, other people on the show, they might they might be reserved with other aspects of their life, and rightfully show, rightfully so. And there's aspects of my life that uh, you know I'm reserved, of course, and I uh, and I don't share. But I mean, I if, uh, sometimes I think that the podcast is hockey talk, and what dumb thing did Ryan do this week? Then and I like <laughs> that, and and the people I know and care about in this world like that too, and that's all that matters. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> So what's from doing the podcast, what's probably the I don't know, I guess the best thing that's come from it out outside of obviously, you know, uh exposure to the rest of the world in terms of your opinions and things like that. What's what would you consider the 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 best thing to come from doing the podcast? Uh for me self like I mean there I could say like, you know, having Interacting with people like this, like we're doing right now, doing other podcasts, meeting people that like the show, like that's really that's always really cool. And I I don't take that for granted in the least bit, and none of us do. And the fact that people want to listen and want to interact with us just because we're recording ourselves, being ourselves, and and not 
and not really putting too much of an act on. That's incredible. But for me, my, uh, my favorite thing that came from the podcast is just having this creative outlet and this kind of, um, this project, whether, and it, whether monetizing it or just having a, uh, an outlet to, to create things, to create artwork, to create content, to create, you know, a podcast, like that's what I love about it. And I've turned it into a passion, you know, we've turned it into a passion project and I've turned it into a portfolio that I've gotten jobs from because of it. And it's something that, uh, well, you know, with the blessing of others, uh, other people on the show, like this is, we've done it exactly the way we want to and the way I want to. And, and it's worked out because of that. So that doing exactly what we want and being ourselves and it being successful and people resonating with it is the best thing that's come from the podcast. And, and, and look, it's, it's funny, you know, this is my first attempt at doing something like this. And I, one of the things that you guys do so effortlessly, which seems counterintuitive, but you're yourself. You're just natural. You're who you are, the four of you. Um, yeah. And it comes across. It's like, uh, I, you know, doing this now, just trying to have a, a conversation and knowing that I'm actually speaking through a microphone and watching, you know, the the um, the Skype feed and things like that. And, and it's pressure that sort of takes you out of being who you are. So the fact that you guys do it so effortlessly, you know, it's, it's, a, uh, it's something that, you know, should be applauded because that's, I think, part of the reason why you feel so comfortable listening to your show because it's just you guys getting together, having a chat, and you're confident in who you are and you're confident in terms of what you know and uh, your opinions, your own, and, um, and that's pretty much it. Absolutely, and it wasn't. It took a while. It takes a while to, to you know. Some people are naturals, uh, and can and can, you know, turn it on for for a, for recording for audio or for video. And other times, it's it's difficult, and you you get nervous and you get stressed out, and you don't think you have enough to say. And and it takes a long. It can take a long time to get comfortable, and and for you to kind of be confident in your in your work and your ability. Yeah, I'm I'm getting that. <laughs> you're doing a great job <laughs> thanks mate. thanks you're a kind man you're a kind man so, all right cool uh i i guess we have to get to uh, my 10 uh countdown we'll make it a little bit quicker and we can discuss things as we go um there's not too much like i said that's different to yours but we'll start with number 10 for me uh it's one that's you've already done it's Aktung baby and as i mentioned before if if you were to ask me in that year, because I didn't buy the album, uh, what was one of your number 10 top albums for that year? In that year, I would never have said Aktung Baby because I was not a U2 fan. Um, yeah. I hated the fact that they they did actually have this massive concert sort of that had to – it took days to get together and things like that and big blow-up stuff and uh, it was <laughs> a big production and – I guess I saw that as a little bit counterintuitive to, or, you know, from what Bono was trying to project in terms of his ideals and his ideas about what the world should be and things like that. And, you know, he was, he was, giving, he was a performer. He was giving a performance, and it was a great performance, and it was a great show. But, uh, but I don't time, know. Sorry? At the time, like, people were starting to resent this band for being so popular and yeah and, and being as big as they are and as outspoken and be, when the album wasn't 
I would say this album's better than the Joshua Tree. Oh, I agree. Opinion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But when it came out, people are like, it doesn't sound exactly like the next the Joshua. It does. It's not Joshua Tree two. Two. Yeah, yeah. And people wanted to hear exactly like that. And as much as you, we can gripe on you two, they're an evolving band. They're an evergreen band that's always changing. They are artists and they take risks and. And it, it's hard to, to call Octung Baby a risk when it's this good. But yeah, they, they, they did, did it the way they wanted to. And it didn't sound exactly like Joshua Tree. And, and it definitely people were like, whatever, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And look, I, I looked back on 91 and went, I used to sing along to all those songs. So I could oh. not put it in my top 10. Even though I didn't buy the album, I had to put it in there. So, number nine. Number nine was uh, one of those, like I said, it was a year where I found a lot of bands, and this band is no different. Um, Smashing Pumpkins, Gish. Um, yep. I, I love Billy Gorgon's voice, and uh, I, I really hadn't heard too much before this album, and uh, we didn't get a lot of singles actually played. It was actually through a, a friend of mine who actually had the album. I listened to that and went, this is crazy. And didn't really know anything behind uh, about the backstory to the band at all. But it became one of my favorite albums of the year and I ended up buying it. So Suffer and I Am The One, they're two of my favorite songs off of that album. And uh, Crush, uh, no, actually, what's the, uh, uh, Rhinoceros. Rhinoceros is probably my favorite song off of that off of that album, and uh, I just like I, I if I don't like the lead singer, like the, the the voice, I usually don't like the band. And his was a a different voice from anything that I'd heard before, and just yeah, great album. You'd never, I I don't I can't like there's a there's a handful of bands or that have a very identifiable lead singer. Billy Corgan might be the most identifiable. Like his his voice could be the most identifiable in terms of lead singers. Like you know, that's a Smashing Pumpkins song because he oh, is yeah. so he's so unique. And the funny thing is, was uh, when I was finding out about the band, he's got that voice that doesn't suit someone that's like six foot five. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I I saw him in an interview out here uh, when he came out to Australia once, and uh, the interviewer uh, was a, a a petite girl. And uh, he rocked up for the interview and he picked her up at one stage. It was like the guy was, I, I had no idea he was so big. And uh, oh, yeah. yeah, crazy. I haven't, I, uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest with you. I've never listened to Gish. Oh, really? And I mean, I was looking at it and I'm like, that's not the one with, uh, with, oh, what's it called? Uh, what's the, uh, oh, I'm blanking here. Uh, was the Cherub Rock. Uh, which I one? thought it, I, that, uh, that I was I, I was thinking it was Siamese Dream, which has Cherub uh, Rock on it. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I don't think Cherub Rock's on this one. No. So I'm like, is like, is Gish a good record? Should I put that on my Apple Music when as soon as I get off the phone with you? Uh, I would. Um, yeah, like I said, it's my number nine. Um, Rhinoceros <laughs> is probably the big song. Um, oh. Uh, from from that that album, uh, that might have actually been released as a single here. I'm not sure, but like I said, I actually I I found these guys through a, a mate of mine who had nice. the album. 
So um, they didn't get a lot of airtime before. You know, the the only time that we really oh, there might have been one song, but "Bullet with Butterfly Wings" was the big one that broke them here in yeah. Australia, as far as I'm concerned. Um, there was a song before that, but I can't remember what it was. 1979. Uh, they, oh, actually, yeah, not 1979. That would have been the other one. Yeah, sorry. And what was the other one from that album? There was two from that album that was actually really good, 1979 and, and oh, tonight, tonight. tonight, yeah, yeah. So actually yeah. they, yeah, so they were, they were, they were probably, um, that album uh, was actually uh, really, really big here in Australia. Uh, Gish wasn't big here in Australia, uh, but it was the burgeoning of my uh, music awareness, I guess, of the grunge era and all that sort of stuff, and um, Mud Honey and Alice in Chains. Uh, although oh, I yeah. found Alice in Chains the the year before with Dirt, um, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. But unfortunately, Alice in Chains released an album nineteen ninety and nineteen ninety two, but nothing in nineteen ninety one. Hey, this would be a good year for live uh, live music because there's a lot of good ba- there were a lot of good albums released the year before too. Yes, exactly. So, um, look, my number eight was the album from Van Halen or Van Hagen or Van, whichever way you want to look at it um, for unlawful carnal knowledge. Uh, yeah, like, and again, nothing stands out for me on that album as the best song or anything like that. I just thought it was a really consistent album all the way through and it's Van Halen, which I love. So, um, yeah, that was my number eight. First, uh, first like four songs on that album, kick ass. Um, I saw Van Hagar play in like 2004 on a a reunion tour. And yeah, you got, you got, you got to, I mean, David Lee Roth is cooler than, than Sammy Hagar, but yeah. Sammy Hagar is a better singer and frontman than David Lee Roth. So you're in a bit of a, uh, a conundrum. You know, that's where the, that's the real debate there. Like, there's no question who a better singer and songwriter is. It's Sammy Hagar, but David Lee Roth's way cooler. Oh, look, yeah, the way he's acrobatics on stage, and he, you know, he works the the um, movie uh, the um, music videos better than anybody. But. Uh, oh, yeah. um, Sammy's a great singer. Sammy's a fantastic singer, and like you said, Pound Cake. Actually, that's probably the most yeah, that's probably the most recognizable song off of that album. Oh wait, uh, right now, right now, did you right say now with the piano? Remember? Yeah. Uh right now, I sort of. Uh, yeah, wow. I, sort of, I, I can't really, look. This, like I said, that's uh, I was. It's a, a fair while ago for me, and I I haven't actually <laughs> listened to that album. I, I I own the album, but I just haven't listened to it in a long time. Okay, because right now has this like suspenseful piano intro, and uh, it had a famous music video. But like at every sporting event, when times are you know when uh, when the home team's down or whatever, at any sport they'll play right now. To, oh, like, okay. To up the suspense. I, I remember "Run Around." That's another song from that album that I remember. That's, that it's yeah, it's a really cool song. Yeah. All right. So number seven. Uh, what did I have at seven? Uh, no, six. Up to six. Or seven. Ah, of course, Soundgarden. So, uh, Bad Motor Finger. I just didn't put it in my uh, rundown here. So, <laughs> um, so again, this was a band that I, I really didn't know much about. Uh, I've gone back and bought the earlier albums, like their Garage Days and stuff like that. But yeah. it, this was the album that I I found Chris Cornell. His voice, I think, got better even after he had the trouble with his throat and things like that. The more gravelly nature to it actually, I thought enhanced his his sound. I thought it was it was better. Um, oh, absolutely! 
absolutely, absolutely, no question. And, and if I look back on it now, apart from his voice, Bad Motor Finger, uh, you know, and Rusty Cage was fantastic, but the rest of the album probably not as great as I remember it. Uh, I probably enjoyed it more when I was younger, but still a fantastic album. And as I said, I sort of had to go by what I bought that year, what I really played in the car, like, uh, or not the car, but what I played on uh, my CD player at home uh, over and over and over. And and that was one of the albums. And I, I, I sort of found grunge and that became sort of like a lead into heavier stuff for me as well. Um, I, I got brought up with my grandparents. I lived my whole life with my grandparents from nine days whole home at the hospital. And my grandfather was a slow trombone uh, player. And we listened to a lot of Tommy Dorsey, Glenn Miller, big band stuff. And oh, yeah. uh, we also listened to a lot of classical. We listened to a lot of uh, show tunes, <laughs> funnily enough. <laughs> Carousel, you know, State Fair, <laughs> Seven oh. Rides, all that sort of stuff. So they were all on cassette in the car and, yeah, we'd go from that to rugby drinking songs. So uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it was a very uh, broad range of musical uh, um, education from my grandfather. But uh, uh, this sort of uh, was uh, – and as I said, I was into a lot of the dance music at the time, going out to discos and things like that. Oh. Um, so when grunge hit, that sort of became my thing that I really loved. And, uh, and then that led into heavier stuff with – pantera and and things like that so there's there's certain albums that i play over and over and over again and soundgarden like i said alter bridge and a few of these other guys incubus you know they're always on the rotation that i really like and that was mainly because of this year you know like the first albums yeah. i bought were Nevermind and pearl jam 10 and oh, uh, yeah. uh, CDs, I should, from the Columbia <laughs> uh, <laughs> house, back of the uh, the magazine. They were the first two uh, albums. So, um, and they were they were influential and impactful enough that you know, as you said, your your taste was changing around that time, and and it's like that kind of sound, that type of songwriting, those type of bands are have stuck with you ever since. Oh, completely. But in saying that, my number six sort of. Uh, uh, Bucks the trend to, to all that with uh, uh, Prince and the New Power Generation, Diamonds and Pearls. Um, what is this? I have no idea. I saw this on your list, and I, I'm like, tell me. I, I'm uh, I'm getting under the tragically hip learning learning tree here. Okay. Um, so I was always a Prince fan. Probably the first actual vinyl album that I bought um, was either oh Prince, yeah, Prince, Prince and the New Power Generation. Oh, man, I didn't know that was Prince and. Yeah. Oh, my God, I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, no. So uh, the first two albums I bought, or the first album I bought was either Prince 1999 or uh, Human League Dare. I can't remember oh, which yeah. one it was because um, I'm a big Human League fan as well. But I was always a Prince fan. And you look at the, the track list for this album, uh, Thunder, Diamonds and Pearls, Cream, um, Get Off, uh, walk Don't Walk, Push, um, Money Don't Matter Tonight. It's, again, start to finish, a fantastic album. And, uh, you know, it was one of those ones where I wouldn't have remembered it mainly because, I, you know, I've always liked Prince, but I don't remember. I didn't buy this album, um, but I listened to every one of these songs, you know, obviously, and look forward to them coming on the radio. Diamonds and Pills was, yeah, I had to go back and look at it and went, oh, 
that was a huge album for me in that year. And yeah, so uh, the film clips were pretty good too. So <laughs> Cream is a great song. I love that song. Yeah. And, and as I said, uh, you know, he fantastic uh, entertainer and the film clips, you know, people would wait to watch on MTV to see Cream and the two girls. Oh, yeah. And um, it was just a, you know, it was like, you know, Michael Jackson-esque in terms of, you know, it was, it was a, a whole production. Oh, man, yeah. And, like, he was pretty provo- – he was – you know, Prince was putting out some provocative uh, videos and, and songs at the time. So it was oh, kind of yeah. like yeah, you had to see it. Oh, look, the two girls got interviewed nearly as much as he did. Uh, <laughs> it was crazy, you know. They were always asking about their dynamic with Prince. And um, yeah. I thought, yeah, it was fantastic marketing on his part. It was great. So that's my number six. Number five is – so I, I was going to cheat and I was going to combine Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 together for my number five uh, pick, mainly so I could get uh, You Will Be Mine on uh, as part of it. But um, I have to agree with you. Use Your Illusion 1 is a better album. So I've, I've gone with Use Your Illusion 1 uh, at number five. So uh, I – it's a tough decision because, like, two of my favorite songs are um, pretty tied up, and uh, and and Civil War, and um, and you could be mine, but unfortunately, they're all on User Illusion too. Like, just like Metallica with Load and Reload, if you put these uh, two albums together, you'd have one really good one yes. instead of two yep. Yep. okay ones. And that and that's yeah, well, because it was a the Terminator Two soundtrack. And it was a great song, and you know you had the great film clip with it as well. It was in the movie, iconic as oh yeah, hundred percent. But I looked at the track. I did go back and have a look at the track track list of both albums, and I had to edge it to Usual Illusion One. So yeah, um, it's it comes down to a snail's race. Fun fact: uh, You Could Be Mine was actually written and recorded during the Appetite for Destruction era. They just felt that it didn't. Uh, fit the records. They didn't put it on. So they oh, okay. didn't sit around for four years. Yep. Like, can you imagine that's if that, crazy. If, that, if they put it on there yeah. after Rock Queen or whatever? Like, that'd oh. been the greatest album ever made. Yeah, that'd be nuts. Well, like, couldn't have probably gotten any bigger than they did, but um, <laughs> that would be nuts. That would have been a nuts album. You know, they did a they did a um, concert out here in Australia at Calder Park, which is a uh, a raceway. So where they, yeah. they race cars and things like that. So it was a 40-degree day. Um, yeah, there's uh, there's some famous uh, YouTube uh, some clips on YouTube of them like that's where they also made Rose Tattoo get back together so yes. they could open up. For them. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. Goddamn degrees and everybody was getting they were spraying people down with hoses. They were so hot. Well, it was forty degrees. He was oh, I think two and a half hours late or maybe more. Uh, yeah. And then there was a massive thunderstorm that hit. And no one could get back from the the raceway, so people had to either walk or spend the night there. They were charging like twenty bucks for or ten dollars—I can't remember what it was—for bottled water. Um, yeah, yeah, they were spraying everybody down. It was it was crazy. And the funny thing was, they were everyone was so annoyed at Axl Rose. But as soon as the band got out there and started playing, everyone forgot about it. Were you there? <laughs> no, that's that's Uh-oh. that's Australia's Woodstock. <laughs> everyone says, "Yeah, I was there." But, or they were at the big day out where Limp Bizkit caused a riot. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I, I, I think the the GNR uh, concert was, you know, seventy five thousand people. Though 
That oh, was, it was gigantic. It was huge. So that was probably the more memorable of uh, the the two out of that and the big day out. But uh, yeah, no, that I consider that sort of like our our Woodstock. You know, a lot of people say they were there, but I think maybe a quarter of the people you talk to were actually there. Yeah, of course, everybody's got that. <laughs> yeah. All right, so my next one. My next one was uh, Metallica, uh, Metallica, or the Black Album. Um, yeah, uh, couldn't deny that it is, you know, iconic. It's a fantastic metal album sort of thing. But, you know, I, I, I sort of had issues with them later on with the whole uh, Napster situation. Oh, um, of course. But I couldn't not put this album in there, it, you know, like, on a lot of people's list, it'd be number one. Um, yeah, we've already gone over how many fantastic songs are on there. It's still sell. The crazy thing about the Black Album is it's still in the charts. Like it still sells thousands of copies, physical or digital, like every week. Like it, you'll. It's ridiculous That's how nuts. many people buy the Black Album. Yeah, twenty three. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. The fact that it's you know it's so long on from when it was released and it's still doing that sort of business is crazy. Well, it's, yeah, absolutely. But good music, is good music, no matter what the generation. Absolutely, man. <laughs> All right, number three. Number three is for me, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic. Again, we've spoken about all the great songs off of that. That that and the other two albums that I'm about to put in, number one, number two, those three albums were my most played albums of, of that year. Um, the music I think there was, were a lot of people's. <laughs> yeah, look, they were. They were fantastic. They were, you know, it was, it was different. Um, the voice was great. The music was, was thumping. Um, loved it. So, yeah, very cool. And... Um, so, I'll, I'll look, my, it's not going to be any big surprise. Number two is Never by, Nirvana, uh, by Nirvana. And what? So, what a surprise. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, way to keep it under the hat. But uh, <laughs> And number one is 10 Pearl Jam. I, for me, Pearl Jam's 10 is probably the most complete album. There's, you know, there's others probably in the running, but if I'm honest... Uh, that's an album I could listen to anytime. Uh, Nirvana, never mind. Sometimes some of the songs I'm not in the mood for. Um, yeah, that's a mood record. I was just gonna say, you ten you could put on like like ten of the Black album are damn near perfect, and you can put those on just about any time you want. Yeah, never mind. You gotta. It might be if you want to. Be, if you don't feel like being in a be- uh, down mood, you might not want to put it on. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, exactly right. And uh, yeah, so that's it. That's my top ten. Um, I, I had a couple of notable mentions very quickly. Kaya left the white room, which mm-hmm. had a, a couple of cool sort of like dance poppy type songs on it that you know uh, were pretty big here in Melbourne. Um, yeah, and. Uh, the other one was uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, the, the Sky is Crying. So that's it. That's pretty much uh, both of our top tens. Um, the, only, the only thing I probably want to do is ask you one, one last question about the podcast. And, yeah. and one of the things that I love about the podcast is the way that certain things have organically evolved. And I think that comes from the fact that you guys are so laid back and, and natural with what you do. So we have, you know, a couple of bucks, we have the car and things like that. So they've become staples and part of your your show. And 
a- anyone that wants to know what that is, go and listen to the guys. You'll you'll see what I mean. Um, yeah. What's the favorite? What's the most? Uh, what What's your favorite thing that's developed from the show and through the audience's involvement? Because I know you've got like Yerky and those guys who do a lot of really cool stuff uh, in terms of cartoons and things like that. Um, probably what's like? Is it the t-shirts? Is it the sayings? And I still don't own a Tacoma Monster Trucks t-shirt. I I, I didn't <laughs> even know you did it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if we're even still selling those. But you that probably was, don't. Uh, yeah. That's the most side of jokes, but uh, I really love that. So for those listening, uh, one time we tried to. Uh, I I really like I my probably my favorite thing is the couple of bucks story. And for those listening, uh, Gita and I on the show, we tried to go buy tickets from. Uh, I'm not sure if it's still a PC term, but I'll use it. Scalper, a ticket reseller. Yep. And, and I just politely walked up to this big fat angry guy and I said, "Hey, how much are uh, balcony seats going for?" And he just like is. It seemed like I caught him at the wrong time. He's like a couple of bucks, and I'm like, excuse me. He's like a couple of bucks, and I'm like, huh? And then the last time he yells at us like a couple of bucks, and I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. You do not want it. You don't want any of our service or to talk to us. We're just gonna leave. And so any chance uh, we any opportunity we have to mention that phrase or plug our Patreon to spend a couple of bucks, you know. We got to revisit it. And I just love that story because it's, you know, it was people on the show going to try to go to a hockey game. And that was the strange weirdo we encountered. And it lives forever on the show. So stuff like that, like little stories like that are probably my favorite things from the show. Yeah, fantastic. Look, I, and I'd have to agree. Um, you know, I, the, the sto- and that's the, like I said, the appeal to the show. It's not just the, the great hockey knowledge. It's, all those little tidbits that you get from you got from your lives and uh, your experiences around hockey and things like that. That uh, I think that even if you're not a massive hockey fan, that you come to your show and still have a good time and and uh, and listen to to what's going on in your lives and not just uh, about what's going on in the hockey world. So um, yeah, that's what we're trying to do. And thank you very much for your kind words. No, no, more power to you. It's it's fantastic. So, mate, look, I, um, I'll give you a chance to uh, tell everybody where they can listen to your show and get in contact with you uh, um, uh, on email or Twitter or anything like that. So feel f- feel free to plug away. Yeah, for any uh, if any of you are listening or are curious about all the very kind words that Darren's had to say about my little program, you can head over to pucksnet.ca. Uh, follow us on Twitter, PucksNetCA or uh, PucksNetCA or PucksNetCA. Car. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, same one. We're everywhere. Just Google us, and we can listen anywhere you want. And uh, yeah, take a listen to that. And you can follow me on uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Shaptop. And uh, yeah, um, listen if you want. Explore what you, if you want. And if not, well, I hope you enjoyed our our conversation today because I sure did. Fantastic, mate. Thank you very much for agreeing to do this and thank you for your, your help leading up to it. And hopefully, uh, yeah, it uh, wasn't uh, too painful. I'll be back anytime. All right, thank mate. Very much. Fantastic. You have a, a good uh, a good day. Stay safe. And uh, <laughs> I know it's very, very 2020 April, April 2020. <laughs> so, but uh, for, for us, it's very poignant at the moment. So, uh, um yeah stay safe and uh stay well enjoy your summer and good luck to the shitty beatles softball team oh thank you very much and and you stay safe as well and uh hopefully things uh return to somewhat of a normalcy in uh in the months 
<laughs> yep, definitely. All right, mate. Say goodbye to every, uh, say hello to everyone for me, and uh, stay well. You too, mate. This is a lot of fun. Thanks, mate. It was. See ya. All right, bye. And that was Ryan, a fantastic guest, great guy, loves his music and his hockey, and was really entertaining. You can find all the links to his show and to Ryan in the show notes. Don't forget to join me next week when I launch the first of my review shows. It's a smaller format show where I give you a little look into one of the podcasts I'm either listening to or have listened to in the past and recommend. Thanks for listening, and I'll chat at you again in two weeks.